Good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone. Glad you've come to join us. Welcome if you're watching online as well. I always like the dramatic music leading into a uh, boring sermon, right? <laughs> uh, good introduction for, uh, for today. But um, We're continuing in our series, but I guess, uh, Holy Living, but I guess before we start, um, if you're visiting here, if it's your first time here, I'm Chris. I'm not the pastor here. I'm an elder, so don't base your uh, return trips on today. Uh, <laughs> if you... Uh, Plan on coming back next week. Just know that it'll be a little different. So, um, and even um, even the week after that, it'll be a little different too. So, uh, just know that this is not the norm. But we'll give it our best shot, and uh, hopefully, you'll take home something this week that'll um, encourage you and lead you in your walk with Christ. So, uh, we're continuing our ser- our sermon series in Holy Living, um, and it's kind of around Galatians chapter five um, and the fruit of the Spirit. So if you've been with us for the past few weeks, uh, we've covered uh, the first six of the nine traits of the fruit of the Spirit, um, so we're going to be covering the last three today. Um, but I like this, uh, this metaphor, this analogy of fruit, because uh, it kind of gives you a literal example. If you think about real fruit in real life, like literal fruit, and compare that to your spiritual life, it's kind of a, it's a pretty good little metaphor to, uh, if we break it down. Um, but when I was a kid, I was when I grew up, um, we always had a garden. My parents always had a garden, and they still do, um, even today. So we always had uh, we always had different vegetables: cucumbers, onions, you know, uh, beans, uh, squash, and you know, all these different fruits and vegetables that come out of the garden. Um, and one year, we decided that we would try to do uh, pumpkins. For whatever reason, my younger brother, uh, he was like three or four, and he had this weird obsession with pumpkins. I don't. Don't really know why, but so we had to we had to try to grow pumpkins. <clears throat> so we got some. I don't remember how we got the pumpkin seeds, but um, anyway, we had pumpkin seeds, and we went to the garden. We planted a few different uh, few different places where we were trying to grow some pumpkins. And you know, after a few weeks, you kind of see the vines start growing. You give it a little little care and a little time, and eventually, you start seeing some pumpkins. You start seeing some fruit. Um, so we. Um, my brother helped carry the seeds out. You know, he's three or four, so he's like independent, wants to do everything. So he's helping carry the seeds. And uh, <clears throat> a few weeks after we did it, you know, we had these uh, where we planted them growing, but we also had this random vine like out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so apparently, my brother had dropped some seeds, and so we had a pumpkin growing where we didn't plan on it. Um, and it, this kind of goes against my analogy here, but that plant actually produced the biggest pumpkin. Uh, so go figure. He just drops a seed, and then you get the biggest pumpkin out of all. So um, anyway, that you think about a garden, and you compare the fruit, a literal fruit, to uh, the fruit of the spirit. It's a lot the same, right? If you uh, if you just plant a seed and walk away, there's a chance that fruit will grow, but it's not as good a chance as if you take the time to till the soil up, uh, put the seed in there, cover it up really good, make sure the sunlight conditions are right, make sure you get it plenty of water, uh, you know, make sure all the things are in place. That plant should grow much bigger than one if you just dropped a seed, right? That's kind of how things work. Um, it kind of goes the same for our spiritual life. You know, when we accept Jesus, we um, proclaim and put our faith and trust in him, we get the Holy Spirit within, within us. And then eventually fruit will grow, but it doesn't just happen overnight, right? We're not, it's not like an instant. As soon as we have the Holy Spirit within us, the fruit becomes evident, right? It takes, it takes time. We have to, it's a process. We have to work on it and uh, cultivate and make sure the conditions are right, make sure our heart is in the right place uh, for that fruit to become evident. Um, another way that I look at this is kind of, um, you know, the fruit that is uh, produced in our life makes it evident that we're a follower of Jesus, right? 
Um, because we have fruit, because we bear fruit, people can recognize that and say, there's something different about this person. Um, and hopefully it's, you know, if it's fruit of the spirit, it's a good, a good different. Um, but it kind of goes along with, um, a lot of people, a lot of children look like their parents, right? Um, I know I look a lot like my dad people can, that know my dad or have known my dad can look at me and say, I bet you're so, I bet you're Larry's son, right? Yeah. Just because of how I look. Um, so that's kind of goes with the fruit of the spirit. When people see the fruit in our life, they see evidence that uh, we're following Jesus. They can tell that we're God's children, that uh, we are followers of Jesus. <clears throat> so by the fruit that's in our life, it's evident to those around us whose we are. Um, another weird story about a uh, kind of a pumpkin. I don't know if this really ties into the message, but I think it's pretty cool, so I'm going to share it. Um, <clears throat> a pumpkin, a weird pumpkin story. So um, at my parents' house, the driveway kind of goes along this bank there's a bank and there's you know there's trees hanging over and uh, the driveway kind of goes down alongside that bank well this one year we noticed something weird in a tree like this weird looking fruit and we're like okay that should not be in the tree um, so we kind of kind of kept an eye on it and watched it and watched it and turns out it was a pumpkin so there's this pumpkin hanging in a tree right above the right above the driveway so it's like what what's this is weird um but I think it was another one of those instances where somebody had dropped a seed or something, and this, this pumpkin vine actually grew up the tree, and was hang, there was a pumpkin hanging there. Um, so over time, you know, because the conditions weren't right, that, you know, that pumpkin's not supposed to be hanging from a tree, right? It's supposed to be on the ground. So eventually the pumpkin got so large that it broke from the vine and smashed. So uh, that kind of goes, I guess that kind of ties into the, to the message here. If the conditions are right, your fruit will grow and it will become healthy. But if the conditions are not right, it'll collapse and, you know, be smashed. Um, so that was a weird, we had a pumpkin tree when I was growing up. <laughs> um, so another, another cool analogy about fruit and how it ties into the spiritual realm is we can't, we can't force a plant to grow, right? We can't make a, a plant produce fruit. Um, same goes for our lives. We can't force it. We can't make ourselves become uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We have to lean on the Spirit. We have to cultivate our relationship with God. We have to lean into what the Scripture tells us. We have to follow the Spirit's guidance uh, in order for that fruit to become plentiful and for us to have a harvest. Um, kind of jumping back to um, a garden, <clears throat> if you have a garden, can you plant the seeds and then just walk away? and expect there to be fruit, right? Again, we have to cultivate it. We have to make sure that the soil's right, the sunlight is right. We have to prune the vegetables back. We have to, just like with the pumpkin, you know, if you're trying to grow a large pumpkin, I don't know, this is kind of a random fact too, but uh, if you're trying to grow a large pumpkin, you have to keep an eye on it and make sure that it doesn't grow away from the vine, and then eventually it'll break away from the vine. So, the, you know, the big large pumpkins are heavy, so they pull away from the vine. So you have to, you know, keep the pumpkin in the right situation, uh, make sure it doesn't get too much sunlight, make sure it gets the right amount of water. You have to get the, get the conditions right. So the same goes for the fruit of the Spirit. We have to nurture our relationship with God. We have to pick out the weeds. You know, if you plant a garden and just walk away, sure, you'll get some fruit, right? You'll have some, you'll have some stuff there, but they won't be as plentiful as if you were to take care of it. Um, and then, of course, the weeds are going to grow up all around everything, so it'll be hard to recognize that there's fruit there. You guys follow me? You ever worked in a garden and know that the weeds make it hard to find the fruit if you don't, if you don't tend to them? So the same goes in our spiritual life. If we let the weeds grow up, if we let the bad habits and the, uh, the bad thoughts, things grow up in the way, the fruit becomes less evident. So um, kind of get all that out of the way. We're going to jump into the three 
uh, attributes that we're going to talk about today of faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so the first one is faithfulness. And I have a definition of faithfulness to put up here on the screen for you. So faithfulness is believing that God is who he says he is and continuing in that belief no matter what happens to us. So we believe in God, we put faith in God, we put faith in Jesus, we believe that he is God and that he is who he says he is and we believe in that and we continue in that no matter what happens. That is faithfulness. It's, uh, it's diligence, right? We're diligent and we're faithful even through the hard times. We know that God is going to be there through the hard times. Uh, we have confidence that God is loyal and that he never changes. Uh, it's like a, we have this, uh, if you're a faithful person has a stick-to-itness, like they stick to what they believe in, they, they, are, um, they endure, uh, they're reliable, even when it's hard, they're, where the faithful person is there for their family, they're there for their friends, they stick to their relationship with God, they continue to cultivate that uh, relationship, uh, that's, that's faithfulness, is being true to your commitments, um, trustworthy, reliable, all these things are um, fruit, part of the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit guiding us, we're going to be reliable, trustworthy. We're gonna, our actions are going to back up our words, right? If we say we're going to do something, we'll do it. Uh, you know, if, of course, if there's an emergency comes up, that's, that's reasonable. But if you say you're going to be somewhere and do something and help somebody, you should be there, right? Uh, that's, that's, a fruit of the, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit, the trustworthiness, the faithfulness. Um, our actions should back up our words. You know, we live in a culture today that is faithfulness is kind of uh, uh, kind of put to the side a little bit in some ways. Um, you know, if there's a new opportunity that comes along, and um, sometimes it can look really pleasing and uh, a quick, um, more exciting, more pleasurable, uh, you know, to leave behind our current situation and jump ship and go over to something else. Uh, that is a lack of faithfulness. You know, there's sometimes when. It's good to leave behind something, but uh, I'm talking about good things, right? If you're, if you're in the midst of a good thing, and sometimes there'll be, there'll be challenges, uh, but if we remain faithful, if we stick to it, we trust in God to lead us through it, we're reliable, that's faithfulness. Uh, stick with something and trust that it's going to be what's best in the long run. Um, sort of the opposite of faithful would be unreliable. So if someone is not faithful, they're not reliable. You, you can't really trust what they say. Um, you can't really depend on them. Um, so if we're being led by the Spirit, if we have the Spirit guiding us and the fruit that's evidence of that is faithfulness. Um, you know, it's sticking with God, believing what he, said, who he is, who he says he is, um, even when the outside world thinks we're crazy. Uh, there's a lot of times when we're following God that people will look at you kind of weird, like, why are you doing this, right? You ever help somebody out that really didn't deserve help? Um, maybe, uh, you know, you helped somebody move or uh, gave somebody some money, and people are looking at you like, what are you doing? There's, you, you can't trust this person. They're not going to pay you back, but uh, the faithfulness and following God sometimes is going to look crazy. Um, there's an example of that in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, we'll put that up on the screen. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 7 through 12. And this is um, several different people and instances um, from people in the Bible who followed God even when it seemed crazy. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. He went without... He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. 
And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. So again, these are just examples from the Bible, right? Noah built an ark in the middle of a drought. And, you know, people looked at him like, what are you doing? Why are you building a boat? There's no water here. Uh, Sarah was beyond childbearing age, but because she believed in God, she held fast to that belief. Uh, You know, she was too old to have a baby, but because she believed in God, she was able to do that. Uh, She trusted that what God said was true. Um, And same goes for Noah. He trusted what God said was true, and he, he took action. He built that. He built the ark. Um, you know, we possess this fruit, uh, this fruit of faithfulness. Sometimes the world's going to look, like us, look at us like we're crazy. But we follow through with it. We trust that what God says is true. And we, uh, we lean into that and we do what God says. Um, a little bit of an illustration here. You know, belief and faith are a little bit different. So if we believe something, it's one thing. But if, we're, uh, if we have faith in something, it's a little different. And I'll kind of explain what, what I mean by that. Believing in something is saying, yes, I believe, uh, I believe in Jesus. But having faith is actually leaning into that and trusting that. So um, example would be this chair. Um, I can say, I believe that chair will hold me up. But unless I take the step to actually go sit in it, I'm not, I don't have faith in it. But if I sit in it, that's showing that I have faith in it. Does that make sense? I'm taking action. I'm leaning into that. I'm saying, uh, uh, not only do I believe it, but I'm going to show it, and I'm going to put, uh, put it into action. That's the difference between belief and faith. So faithfulness is trusting and then taking action. And um, we just sang about it, but God is faithful, right? We sang, great is your faithfulness. Uh, we sang about how great that is and how we uh, appreciate that and how God loves us no matter what. He never leaves us. Uh, he's always near. Uh, even when we stray, he guides us back. He pulls us back in. Um, that's faithfulness from God's perspective. Um, Psalm 33, verse 4 is a good example of, of this, and it kind of re, uh, reiterates what I'm saying here. But uh, for the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. So God is faithful, his words are true, and we can trust it. We can trust everything that God says and through his word because he's faithful. And just as God is faithful, we must be faithful. Uh, you know, we're called to be faithful to God, but then we're also called to be faithful to those around us. Uh, when someone's going through a trial, um, we're called to be faithful and to go help them, put them back on the right path. Um, and we can only do that because of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Spirit is growing within us, leading us, that fruit will become visible, the faithfulness. Uh, Going right into the second trait that we're covering today is gentleness. And the definition we have of gentleness is gentleness is allowing God to control our response instead of our emotions. So that's kind of worded a little bit weird, but basically we're letting God control how we respond to things and not our emotions. Uh, You know, things... Things can get out of hand in times, and we let our emotions take control, um, and we can lash out to somebody, and that's not very gentle. Um, the word that Paul uses for gentleness in Galatians 5 is, uh, the Greek word is praotes, I believe is how you say that. I'm not a Greek scholar, but that's, that's, that's Google says that's how you pronounce it. So, <laughs> um, Praotes has the same root word as the word Jesus uses to describe those who will inherit the, the 
kingdom, the kingdom, and they'll inherit earth in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, it's translated as meek, mild, or gentle. Um, Strong's Greek concordance says that the word refers to exercising God's strength under his control. So it's basically demonstrating power without having harshness. Um, the English term for meek, it kind of lacks that blend of power and strength. Um, but that's what gentleness is. It's, it's having power, but being able to control that through the, through the power of God. Um, it's uh, reserve and strength, power and control. You know, you don't really think, of, a lot of times we don't think of power uh, when we think gentleness, right? We kind of think of someone who's maybe passive or weak, um, but true gentleness is the opposite. It's having strength, but being able to control it. Um, someone who is gentle is humble. Um, they consider themselves um, not, no, no higher than anyone else. Uh, they're considerate of, of other people. Um, they're submissive to God and his word. Uh, usually if they're quick to listen and slow to speak, Right? If someone's gentle, they're, uh, they're listening and understanding the situation before they speak. Um, someone's humble. Um, it's not someone who's not bent on having their own way at all costs. Um, Jesus was uh, the supreme example of this. Uh, he was humble. He was gentle. He was able to correct people in a way that was not condemning and uh, you know, didn't make them feel worthless. Um, he also had evidence of this because he, he left his royal throne and came to be a human, right? He came to earth. Um, we'll read from Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. This kind of, the, um, kind of points us to that as well. Uh, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So again, this is pointing us to someone who's gentle. Uh, we, you know, he's saying, don't look out for yourself. Be humble. Um, value others above yourselves. Don't look to your own interests, but look at the interests of others. Um, we should have the same attitude as Christ. Again, he's the supreme example of gentleness. Uh, he, he had status, full status with God, but he came to earth and, as a slave, and he died on the cross. Um, that's the supreme example of gentleness. And again, our culture, just like faithfulness, our culture doesn't really uh, prize gentleness a lot of times. We think um, it's, it's kind of looked at, you're kind of looked at as uh, strong if you're harsh and brash and arrogant and put yourself above others. Um, but again, um, the ways of God are different than the ways of the world. So we have to, we have to fight against that through the power of the Spirit. Um, as believers, we're called to be gentle to one another. Um, Proverbs 15, verse 4 as another scripture we'll put up here kind of leads us into this. Uh, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So if we're gentle, if we have kind words, we use kind words with others, it's like breathing life into someone. But if we're harsh and we're brash and we uh, speak poorly to people, then uh, it crushes their spirit. So we're, we're being called to be gentle with people. Uh, just as God is gentle with us, we must be gentle towards others. Um, another scripture to point you to that is from Philippians verse four or chapter four verse five. 
It said, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Um, another translation of that says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So if we're gentle, we're compassionate, we're humble, we treat others uh, more highly than ourselves, it'll be evident. People will see our gentleness and they'll know that we belong to God. It'll be uh, just evident in our life that fruit will be evident. Um, gentleness is the opposite of being self-assertive. Um, self-interest. It's also um, it's key in unity as a body of Christ, right? If we're not gentle with each other as believers, uh, then there's going to be some disunity. It's not We're not going to be unified together. But if we're gentle with each other, we forgive each other's faults, and we work together, uh, we, we can function as a body. Um, Ephesians 4 verse 2 is another uh, scripture that points us to this, uh, this thought of being humble and gentle. Uh, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Again, here, if we're working together uh, and we are patient with each other, we're humble, uh, we make allowance for each other's faults, right? We're all, all of us have somebody that pushes our buttons, and on the flip side, we all have someone that we push their buttons, right? <laughs> if you're a parent, you know your kids push your buttons at times, right? Um, if you're a child, then you know your parents push your buttons at sometimes. Um, but we have to work together. We have to forgive each other's faults uh, to a certain extent. You know, kids, you gotta can't rebel against your parents. But um, we have to work with each other. Be humble. Be be considerate, and realize that we're all separated from God. We all sin, um, and we should be patient with each other and be gentle. Um, gentleness is uh, uh, how we respond to others in situations. It's uh, it's evident in how we respond. Humility, it's dependence on God, it's being submissive to God's word and considerate of others. You know, again, it's missing, kind of missing in our culture. We, uh, we're often geared toward what's best for me and not what's best for the group or for others. Uh, it's being empathetic and gentle and caring. Moving right along, we're going to jump right into self-control. So, And the definition we have for self-control... Self-control is the inner strength to repeatedly make the right choice. So, you know, we have, there's always situations where there's, you know, just about every situation in life, I guess, has two choices. You can choose to go God's route or you can choose another route. Um, So self-control is being able to distinguish between those two and pick the right one and to follow after Jesus and um, not give in to our sinful human desires. Being self-controlled is about being God-controlled. Um, it's being able to discern, like I said, between good and evil and to follow and be disciplined in being on the good, on the good side. It's the ability to maintain boundaries that are set for us by God in our thoughts, our words, our deeds. It's an inner strength um, that it's created by that continual growth and continual nurturing of our relationship with God. Just like we talked about the garden, it's, it's cultivated by uh, working on our relationship with God, either by reading scripture, by prayer, by uh, coming to church, hopefully, and hopefully whoever's standing here is teaching you something, uh, or reinforcing a belief that you have. So uh, it's, it's about having the control and knowing, um, knowing when the Spirit is leading you to do something and to be able to follow that. Uh, without self-control, we cannot love ourselves and we can't love others because it requires that we keep our selfish and sinful impulses in check. It's kind of like the same. It goes along with the gentleness really well. Um, we can't love others if we don't have self-control because we're always looking out for ourselves. Right? Um, if, we, uh, if we're always looking out for ourselves, then we, we could care less about what happens to people around us. Um, 
You know, it's, it's, uh, it means that we're in control of our thoughts and our actions. It's ability to say yes to something that's good and the ability to say no to something that's not good. We have to be self-controlled in all areas of our lives, including the things we say, what we watch on television, what we think about, how much we eat. Um, in all aspects of our life, we have to be self-controlled. And we can, do, we can only do this by relying on the Holy Spirit. Again, it all goes back to the Spirit and uh, allowing the Spirit to work in our life and to produce this fruit in our life. Um, uh, scriptures I wanted to point out here is from Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight. This is about, goes with self-control. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So if you think about that, a city that's being, uh, you know, is being attacked, if the wall's broken down, obviously the enemy can just come right in and do whatever they please. Same goes for our spiritual life. If we, if we have self-control, we've got these walls set up that Satan cannot break through. But if we lack this self-control, our walls are down, the enemy can come in and just wreak havoc in our life. So it's key that we have self-control. Um, to keep, keep those walls built up, to keep those boundaries so that the enemy can't attack. Um, you know, this is kind of, uh, it points us back to um, fighting against the works of the flesh. And in Galatians five nineteen through 21, which is right before this passage of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, um, it talks about this. So when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as, if, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So again, this points us to self-control. We're, if we're going to fight those desires, um, the sexual immorality, the impurity, uh, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, uh, selfish ambition. If we're going to fight against those, we need the Holy Spirit. We need self-control. That's the only way we can fight against those uh, desires of our sinful nature. Um, uh, self-control is saying no to the to desires of our flesh and saying yes to the Spirit and helping us um, you know, accept that direction, and then we'll have a bountiful harvest of spiritual fruit. So um, I preached a, a sermon, I guess it's been over a year now, I think it was pre-COVID, but anyway, it was on boundaries. Um, self-control is about boundaries. If we set up boundaries in our life, um, you know, maybe it's um, not, not being on a certain social media platform. I know I had to do that in my life. I had to get rid of some stuff that was uh, leading me through into temptation. Um, it's about um, letting go of the desires of our flesh and uh, knowing what triggers those desires and avoiding those situations. That's, that's an example of self-control. Um, you know, step away from the keyboard in some situations. Uh, I know, I don't know why I joined this group. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out why I joined it, but if there's a Facebook group and it's called Galax Talk of the Town. Anybody on Galax Talk of the Town? It's like Gossip Central, okay? And it's always negative, so I, I you know, saying this out loud makes me think I need to get rid of that but uh, it's too it's too fun to read though like you can read people's stuff and their complaints and then I don't know but anyway people love to get on there and bash restaurants right like if they go I saw one this past week that somebody got some food and like it wasn't satisfactory to what they thought it should be so rather than going to the restaurant and saying hey this food was kind of you know it wasn't I waited a long time for this food and now I get it and it's wrong what do they do they spout it out to everybody in Galax right 
And so this, this post ends up getting like three, four hundred comments. Um, a lot of them were positive saying, hey, why didn't you go back to the restaurant? I'm sure they would have helped you. But um, some of them were just feeding the fire, right? You just, you know. So that self, it takes self-control not to jump into some of those debates um, and to not start some of those debates at times. Um, but keep your fingers off the keyboard when you're, when you're in the midst of a, 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 something that's not satisfactory. And it's, it's about curbing those fleshly impulses, right? Everything in us wants to just call them out and say, man, they screwed up. I want everybody to know it. But it takes self-control to, to hold that back. Um, it's impossible to obtain this, this uh, attribute outside of the Holy Spirit. We have to walk in step with the, with the Holy Spirit. Um, and go, in this, passion, this passage of Scripture, uh, Galatians 5.25, it says we, we have to walk in step with the Spirit. So that's how we cultivate these fruit. We walk day in and day out. We walk with the Spirit. Um, self-control is the answer to a lot of struggles. Um, it, you know, if we have self-control, we don't, we don't get into the drama and we don't cause ourselves anxiety. Uh, if we just, you know, remove ourselves from it, that can, it can help out a lot. Um, it's the answer to avoiding fighting and gossiping. Um, it's, it's all back to self-control, uh, cheating, stealing. If we have self-control, we'll, we'll stay away from those things because those things are fleshly and they're, they're the desires that are not of the Holy Spirit. They're not of Jesus. Um, crucify our flesh. Crucify the fleshly desires and pursue Jesus. Um, and Galatians five twenty four through 26, I don't think I have that in the slides, but I'll read that. That kind of goes along with this. Uh, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There, there's where I was going with that. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So again, all these attributes of the Spirit kind of tie together. Um, they come into the, this, this last piece of the, of the passage. Uh, if we belong to Jesus, we've crucified all those passions. The fruit of the Spirit are evident in our life. People can look at us and know by our actions whose we are and know that we follow Jesus. Um, so that brings me to the end of this. Is What kind of, what kind of fruit are you producing? Uh, if people were to look at you, how would they describe you? Would they say your your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control, or would they say that you are some of these things that we just read in that uh, that passage of uh, hatred, discord, jealous, um, have fits of rage, uh, you you have a selfish amb- ambition? Uh, how would people describe you if they were to describe how you, what's evident in your life? What fruit are evident in your life? Um, when we pursue Jesus, it should change us internally. The Spirit changes us internally, and the fruit are an external evidence of that. So I want to encourage you this morning, challenge, you, challenge all of us to continually follow after Jesus, pursue him, and then obviously, again, those fruit will be evident in our life as a result of chasing after Jesus. Um, you know, I think I probably did a pretty good job with y'all, too. I think I got first service out of here in time to catch breakfast. Because you know, it was ten fifteen, so you stopped serving breakfast at ten thirty. So you, you might beat the lunch crowd. Um, so uh, Luke and Abby are gonna come up and do another song. I'm gonna go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for um, your Holy Spirit, Lord, for um, the Holy Spirit living within us because of our belief in Jesus, God. When we follow after you, when we cultivate that. Um, cultivate that spirit, when we look to you for guidance, God, when we uh, look to your word, we reach out to you in times of need, God, when we 
um, ex- express that faithfulness to you, that we um, are gentle with others around us, that we have self-control. We thank you that those things uh, are evident in our lives, God. We pray that if um, there's something in our life right now, God, that's holding us back from you, that we would just uh, put up a boundary, God, that we would, you would help us to have control over that, that you would use your spirit to guide us, God, to point us in the right direction. Help us to be all the, as, many, as many of those attributes as we can uh, express in our lives, God. Help us to do that. Help your love within us be evident. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.